Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 90 of Games My Mom Found. I am Mike Hubbard, and who's slipping into insanity with me tonight? Pargon, Pargon, Tear, Pargon, Aratech, Pargon, Pargon, Michael K. Hughes, Pargon. That was good. <laughs> Professor of Eldritch Studies at Muscatonic University, Richard Sampson. Okay. Well, welcome back. It's been almost a year, right? Yes, it has been. Uh, last time it was venturing into supposed tombs with Lara Croft, and now it is fighting eldritch horrors with Alexander Oivis. Yeah, we got a little tomb right in with uh, Dr. Linty's chapter. Dr. Oh, Jones? Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Make sure you get it right there. That, that was completely <laughs> Dr. Jones. Oh, yeah, that, that was a good chapter, though. Well, there's, I mean, that was like the, sec- the second chapter in the game but we're getting ahead of ourselves here yeah that's way farther than that one i'm thinking of but all right well, second one in the tomb <laughs> yeah second one in the uh, first um richard where might people might know you from uh well in this case one i well i do have that youtube channel that is seen a, ra- a certain growth in the past month thanks to an old video uh but other people might know especially if they're fans of eternal darkness i have a story up on fanfiction.net which is a complete adaptation of this game. And uh, it was uh, doing quite well for a long time on there. And I have a sequel story which remains unfinished uh, called the... I think I called it The Darkness Comes. I have to look at that real quick in my own little outside notes here. Uh, yeah, The Darkness Comes. It's still unfinished. It's Life got in the way. I may re- I plan to return to that very soon. Life tends so to I'm do that. By, what? Get in the way. Get in the way, it does that. I mean, in the, in the time it was uh, switching homes, trying to keep a roof over our head, and all that, and working on other projects. I know the feel. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Mike, why don't, why don't, since this was actually your pick, and the whole idea that the reason why I had to suffer through this game for <laughs> I spooked over, because originally this was not on the list. This actually came on the list after you joined the show. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> We're going back to 2002 with Eternal Again. Darkness for the Nintendo GameCube. What is up with us in 2002 this season? I don't know, man. It's what have we got? Five? five I, don't, I didn't count. <laughs> a I think, bunch I think of it's them. five. So hey, two more listeners. Look forward to that. Yeah, we're still a couple. Next week is 2002. Also, <laughs> next week going to be maybe it's uh, the fact that they all seem to have the same number numbers of this mess of a year. Hmm. That's this fair. 2002 is a weird year. So as as Mike said, we're talking about Eternal Darkness, which is a it's a GameCube exclusive. Mm-hmm. For those that first, don't know, first party Nintendo, made by yep. Silicon Knights. Remember those guys? Oh right? yeah, Twin Snakes. I forgot they made that. And this is this what this has the standalone feature of being Nintendo's first M-rated game before Geist. Oh, <laughs> oh I also forgot Silicon Knights made Blood Omen, the first Blood Omen mm. episode 19 of the show. We won't hold that against them. A lot of people would say Eternal Darkness is is Silicon Knight's magnum opus. Not you mean not too human or X-Men Destiny? <laughs> no, I mean we'll talk about one of those real soon. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I think like with with all that was incorporated into this game and how well received it was, it it's, was you it's know, a game. They, can't, they can't knock it, you know. And it was initially intended for the Nintendo sixty four. God, I'm glad this didn't come out in 64. <laughs> I'm glad they pushed it back and they kept they kept moving it because this would not have been have worked as well in 64. Yeah. 
So for those that don't know, it's a third-person action horror game, kind of survival horror in a way. I mean, I know it's not considered that more psychological horror, but it 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 jumps around a lot, and like, a lot, a lot. Will be spoilers in this episode. Oh yeah, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Try to keep an eye out for that. <laughs> yeah, this is there's been so many games where it doesn't matter. Yeah, we are going to be spoiling the story, and it might not make complete sense to you if you haven't played the game. But you know, don't feel bad. I beat the game, so it doesn't make complete sense to me. So you just got to beat it three times. It's not happening. <laughs> I will play through it three times, Michael. Uh, back in the day, I haven't for a long time, and I meant to watch the uh, the secret ending. And I completely forgot about it. Yeah, but you could watch it within the next minute and be just fine. It doesn't take long. <laughs> Fair. And I you played through it three times for this episode. That's because you were going insane along with the game. <laughs> uh, this this game, like, so for it, I had played this back in 2002. I remember it. I remember it creeping the hell out of me because it starts off where you play as this girl named Alex, which is just some blonde 20-year-old, and she ends up getting, I think she gets a call from the police that her grandfather has died, and she's sent to the house to go verify that it's him. Yeah. Yep. And, and all you see is a is a, a cloak over a dead body, and she sees his hand. She goes, oh, that's his ring. That's him, all right. And I'm just like, <laughs> really? He had, you couldn't have put that ring on somebody else's body? Like, oh, that, you know. Nope. Well, I mean, there's, 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 there are also clues and some nods even in that opening scene. I mean, the detective that she talks to, that, that is a, a reference to Lovecraft's work, The Fall of Cthulhu, because it's the same detective name that is mentioned in The Call of Cthulhu. Hmm. That's what and, I heard, too. Yeah. That makes sense. Also, if you took a look in that opening scene where she wakes up, there's the time on the clock. Yep, 3.33. Can't fit 666 on a clock, so let's do half. That works. Well, it's also, I mean, uh, that number will play, you know, references later. Mm-hmm. But another thing that, and it's just something in part I put two and two together maybe more recently is you will visit that room later in the game that that dream takes place in. Oh, yeah, you kind of do, don't you? Huh. Yeah. I didn't catch that. Yeah. And sometimes it's some things we don't necessarily catch right away when we play it through multiple times. Even something I had happen in my third playthrough I didn't know about. But we'll get to that later. <laughs> <laughs> it, the, game can, the game fucks with you really well. Even I mean, we're not even getting the insanity, but just in the beginning of this game, like when I first started playing this, I had no idea what to do. I was just running around looking for something. And I remember as a kid, I remember going into the room with a bunch of like uh, the cranks. Cranks, yes, thank you. Yeah. I couldn't think of the word. And I remember thinking, okay, there has to be something here because this game is having me mess with this. <laughs> but it, and I remember thinking that, and like, and now that I, you know, as I played through this game and finished it, I mean, you don't mess with that room until way near mm-hmm. the end of the game. It's one of the last yeah. ones. Game Informer did the same thing during the replay where they just went in there and spent entirely too long thinking that it was something they were supposed to do. It's like they should have just locked that door. Yeah, it really shouldn't be open. Yeah, yeah, that, that that could have been a wise thing to do. I mean, you get to really, while you're in that, after that section, and you're getting introduced to how things work, I mean, that's that's a plus where the game worked. They did, they did slight introductions as you progressed your way through the game. I think, like, even in the first seven chapters of the game, you get introduced to at least a new mechanic or a new enemy. Yeah, but that was, like, finding the initial way where to go isn't very... Like, yes, you do have the the cutscene where she sees the clock says 3.33, but I didn't notice it because I wasn't paying attention for it. I wasn't looking for it. (laughs) It's it's me. 
And if you don't catch that, you will not progress with the game. You don't know what to do. Okay. And, I, and I thought that was interesting in, in a couple different ways. One, that this game throws you in with no... I mean, this game doesn't, as Mike had said to me off uh, off the air, this game does no hand-holding, no, it just drops you in, lets you have fun. And I want to be handheld. I want to be caught. I want to say, <laughs> you're a good gamer. You're a good gamer. Go this way. Like, I want that. I well, want the big arrows. some, quote, hand-holding. I mean, they do make certain chapters very linear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you don't have to, you know, venture off and explore. Yeah, but it still doesn't... Ex- explain things and you can get lost and die pretty easily i would say yeah and this game though i that this i i even have this in my notes this game hat does a lot of in media res playing because all these chapters that you're taking part in which we will get to literally are in the past so they've already happened by the time you're playing as alexandra mm-hmm. yeah you're just reliving yeah, what their adventures were that led to this book that you do find the tome of the tome of darkness, right? Tome of eternal darkness. Eternal darkness. Oh, it's been a week. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna say it a lot. It's when she picks up that book that she finds hidden in her grandfather's study. That's what leads to her having all these these things start happening to her. Oh yeah, so, and, and it, I should, we should state before we really get into the chapters that. You know, this, like I said, was all being in media res, but there's certain things you can explore in the mansion and find out certain things that leads to something. I, I have a video up that theorizes. I'll give you the link in the, for the show notes, Mike. Okay. About the real dark. And, like, if you go around, you can go in uh, the hall, the dining room, the kitchen, the library, and the observatory in the first just in that first playable section. And you go into the kitchen, you'll notice there's a blade lock. That's something you're supposed to unlock later in the game. But could be that it was probably done as a placeholder. You go in there before you play the first chapter, you'll see one rune on there, and you go in after that chapter, you will see another rune. Yeah. Do you notice that, Michael? Oh, yeah. I don't think... Oh. <laughs> yeah, because it, uh, it changes depending on which artifact you pick as a as bias. Now, if they had locked off the bath, the bed, the kitchen, you know that could have, you know, avoided some of the uh, unless they left that unlocked for that reason. Yeah, I feel like it's kind of like a Metroidvania style of things where it shows you something you can't really interact with, but it'll make sense later. This well, game confused that. a lot of me, though. <laughs> like I, I do not. I, if it wasn't for the guy that I was reading, I would have never. I wouldn't have gotten through the opening like I did because I just wouldn't have understood what to do. Yeah, I wouldn't have went to the clock and put and put three thirty three in there. Two thousand two is a different time. We had a we had more free time back then to just tool around with things until we figured Plus, it out. Games would purposely <laughs> games would pad themselves. True. I mean, you would put stuff in to make the player take longer because oh, now the runtime of this game isn't only six hours; it's nine hours. Yes, but three hours of that are me running in circles. Yeah, we'll get to, we'll get that in the last couple chapters. Oh, God, <laughs> that's 2002, right and, there. And also, if you look at the clock in the dining room or in the the foyer, mm-hmm. that's even set to 3:33. Yeah, but I don't look at stuff like that. <laughs> I just look for things. I just try to progress through the game. Like I, it's just how I play. Like I would never. I also hate survival horror, even though I've done way too many on this show. So I don't look for like little clues like that where some people who I talk with probably would or be more apparent to things like that. I don't look for stuff like that. Doesn't. It's just not how my brain is wired with yeah. gaming. I like big arrows. I mean, when you first 
take control of Alex, she is kind of faced like right in front of that clock. Like you're supposed to pick it out in front of you to go check it out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she is. We should probably talk a little bit about Buffy. I mean, Alex. <laughs> you was, are right. Who is not Buffy, despite yeah, looking sure. exactly like her. Yeah, I could see that. I could. You could say that she got the. They got modeled her a little bit out of Buffy. She's voiced by Jennifer Hale. Yes, the lovely yeah. Jennifer Hale. Mm-hmm. But, uh, One of her iconic voices that you can recognize. Oh yeah, long before Mass Effect too. So. This is one of the first ones. This and Naomi Hunter from Metal Gear Solid are the first two that I remember in video games, being able to pick her out. Oh, I got to be able to pick her out in not only in games, but in cartoons. I think she had a th- they had a thing for casting her for Redhead. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So it was a joy seeing her voice a blonde. <laughs> <laughs> and her uh, last name, Royvis. Mike, did you uh, catch the significance in that name? I did not. I, you know, I forgot about all that, too, and I didn't in my notes here, but I caught that long ago. Yeah, it's it just backwards, Mike. It's Savior. <laughs> I didn't catch. I wasn't paying that much attention. That's all right. You've had a busy it, week. Yeah. Even just with this game, it's just like I, cause I remember doing this. Like, I remember very little of this game. I never got that far back in the day when I played this. I, cause I knew like I was I knew once I got the book what the first chapter was. So the first chapter dropped when this game started. It's interesting, and it fucks with you too in the way that you that you play. Is you start off in Persia, and what year was it? Oh, it doesn't say. It doesn't say what year. Or um, it doesn't in my guide. It is set in twenty uh, six BC. Okay, and you you play as a, per, a a Roman soldier in Persia, and I thought that was kind of cool. Where you have this guy just the centurion just looking for something that they were sent to look for, that they were sent by the emperor. Yeah, and that was actually, that was a nice thing they did. And I'm still a little confused on though why they did it. They start the cinematic, they're talking in Latin, mm-hmm. and then it's English. I think it's just to show that everyone's speaking their native language, but it's translated for our benefits. So people mm-hmm. aren't just like, why are they all talking English? They didn't speak English back then. Yeah, that's true. I, I, that's something I, I admit, I never really thought of that. And... I suppose, I mean, it could tra- the magic of the tome could translate it for everyone. That's fair, too. Yeah. So, but, I mean, that the first chapter, you get introduced to one of the mechanics of the game, the, the health system. It's a weird health system. <laughs> well, not really, really. You also, I mean, you only get introduced to, quote, the fodder zombies or the mantarot zombies in that chapter, too. But they, they do it in that way because he's such a hardened soldier, nothing phases him. So the only thing you really had to worry about with him was his health. Yeah, that makes sense. We should probably talk about him too. Taking off the head. He's kind of a he's kind of a major player in this game. Yeah. Pius Augustus, which uh, yeah. you get kind of a, a hint at his true nature with his name Pius, meaning like devoutly religious. And man, does he live up to that? I didn't get that. Mm-hmm. That's well, cool. Yeah, I didn't fully take that part into consideration, but he's. Having to play him makes him a very sympathetic, one of those sympathetic killer, one of those sympathetic sympathetic villains. Villains. It's like, what choice did he have? Not go down there. From a gameplay standpoint, he had no choice. (laughs) He did did what I told him to. And here's something: Did you guys did did either of you notice the entrance to the Forbidden City? And there were a few points. I think even in there. Five points. Always five points for the that entrance area. No, I didn't catch that. I also wasn't paying attention like that. Pentagram. Yeah. Oh. Four ancients in the game. 
Mm. Yeah, I remember way back when the fan theory of there being a fifth ancient, that's where all the yellow energy comes from. Well, but it's the... not necessarily a, fifth, uh, a fan theory. It was actually they were intending to have a fifth ancient. Ew. Yeah, it just got cut or something when I was reading. Yeah. I mean, uh, I do run with that in my story. Maybe we'll see it in the sequel, and then everyone cries. <laughs> It'll never be a sequel. Nah. But it, it's just like the way that it, when it drops you in with him, and and that whole the whole story with Pi is where you know it's a short chapter and it's a very kind of you know introductory chapter. But with him just walking around, and then you have that part where you get to the I think it's three artifacts you have to choose from, which one that mm-hmm. you have him go up to. And I had no idea what any of that stuff was. I'd be like, you know, I'm like, I like the color blue. I'm gonna <laughs> pick blue, so I picked blue. And ah, like, now we know which one he chose. And yeah, that yeah. didn't last long. Yeah. So then I pulled up the guide. I'm like, hmm, what does the guide say I should do? And the guide's like, yeah, don't only don't pick blue. And he said, pick green, recommended green. I'm like, oh. And then I went and had to restart my save and do it all over again. Yeah, because it changes well, I, uh, changes a couple of different things, like the order you get the other runes in and then basically what the basic zombies are you're going to fight the most well, gonna be... also the enemy placement and what enemies you deal with at certain spots huh that i did not know i didn't realize it until that until playing through it again and taking my notes on it it was the first time i ever i i theorized there was something linked to it but by going through and playing it with notes writing down what creatures i've encountered i could rule out and then Oh, we go here and you fight these zombies of this alignment, and then in the ne- in the next playthrough, it's a different alignment, but it's always the one that Pius chose, or the one greater than, or the one less than. Hmm. When it comes like the whole thing with the god, I, I did think that was interesting how it does change up the enemies and how it does affect how the game plays. Like because I was reading and watching things about this game, like everything is so different depending on what what god you choose in that very beginning difficulty setting quotation part. part. And I think that's I don't like that because I had to play over play the beginning chapter over again because I picked the wrong one. But so well, cool. well what it is is it's basically it's like it nerfs some things in your favor or against you. Every damage an enemy does has a base damage and then has a secondary effect linked to which alignment they are. And they also have their own unique traits, especially with the zombies. But if you choose Katarga... That's the red one? Yeah, that's red. The red one, you will get your sanity, the Zelatos rune in the third chapter, you will get Chaturga's rune in the fourth chapter, you will get Yulios' rune in the fifth chapter. But this gives you the quickest way to recover both your sanity and your health. So while you're getting stronger base enemies, you get to re- recover your sanity and health sooner. If you okay. choose Zelatoth, you will get the magic rune first, the sanity rune second, and the health rune last. Which means, well, both... That's what I did. Yeah. Both Leah and Karim have something that can restore their health, but never the sanity. Unless you just perform finishing moves, and certain creatures do a massive blow to sanity that finishing moves can't keep up with. I thought that was, that's a cool aspect of every enemy you run into, like, at least for me, their eyes will flash green, and your sanity meter just starts dropping. Oh, yes. 
the sanity meter is a is a whole other like health bar where as it drops down, weird shits will start happening to the character that they it, it's supposed to be them going insane. Oh, like yeah. example, when you're playing as Alex and you're running around the mansion, if if you don't heal your sanity right right when you finish a chapter, like like someone else did, the statue will start moving to follow you. Freak the hell out of me the first time, and she'll <laughs> keep hearing this all the time. Oh, trust me, that's just no. You have the knocking. I fucking I went to the door once. I'm like, oh, there's someone at the door. I went in the door in the game. Nope, nothing there. Okay, I was. Nope. Gonna... You see the blood coming down the walls? Yeah, I don't like that either. <laughs> Did you have? I, I remember some of the times I played it. I had the I got the bugs on the screen. I never got that. I did get the one where it said, thanks for finishing the game. Wait for the sequel to come out. I'm like, what? Yeah. I got that oh, one. Yeah. That's, that, that's, that's, a, that's a fun one. That's a standard one that pops okay. in there. Yeah. That, one, that one freaked me out a little bit because um, <laughs> my version of this game, you know, I was a little worried. I'm like, oh, God, did I get the wrong version? Oh, no. Yeah, that's that's part of the thing. And that that's, I think, was one of the challenges I had when I wrote my adaptation is how do you incorporate that? Oh, I found a way. <laughs> I also incorporated the, well, we can get to that a little bit later, but but also I also gotta say that playing this game when you're sleep deprived, like I was playing it and I've been moving this whole week or in the last past week, and I and I couldn't sleep and I'm so stressed out. And then playing this game on the side, I mean, I felt like going insane myself. I was just like having it's just not a good game to play in, in that type of a stressful situation. <laughs> not recommended. I would like to know how you reacted if you got any of the sandy effects that your screen went blank. I never got those. Never got. I, I knew about. I knew about them. I also never got the memory card one where it says it's deleting your file. I never got any of those. The memory card one can only be effect. I think it's only one that was, goes with Alex. And it's only when you actually save within the game, which knowing your play style, you did not do. I saved in the game. Did you? I just saved other ways also. <laughs> so I wasn't yeah. too worried. I'm like, I have plenty of saves, buddy. You can't delete my saves. <laughs> It doesn't no, actually I just, delete them. Well, just, they put that one in there, and they said, we're going to get a lot of calls about this one. More than likely. No, it, it, the sanity effects are cool, though. And one thing that I do want to say, like we were talking about Pius, I like how once Pius becomes like the villain throughout the entire game as you're oh, jumping yeah. through these different timelines that I wish were in order, and you keep seeing <laughs> Pius show up, always being the guy that's in charge of something that's happening. Yeah, and he's... I, Doing whatever he can to bring over the uh, the ancient that the artifact you took represents, which I think is cool. The idea that these three ancients are in these, in a different dimension, but there's the one ancient that's here, which is Mantarox, which is what you see in the second chapter with Elia. Yeah, that's yeah. A st- I remember this chapter a little bit when I played it the first time, which takes place in 1150 AD. This isn't yeah. you it's play as a- it's fourth in the game's eternal timeline. Oh, it's fourth. fourth in how things were happening in a historical sense. It's the second level you play in the game, the first that's set in Mantarok's temple in Cambodia. Which is cool. And like one thing interesting about this game too is, is what we'll be talking about is you constantly go back to some of these places. Like they and but when they reuse them, they don't feel like oh we're just you know retexturing. It actually kind of feels like a different place, even though it's the same thing. I think that's cool. Same yeah, place, different time. Yeah, and and it, and it works well too. Like even plain is there's not a whole lot I want to say about Elia, but she's she's okay. Like it gives you a, a initial part of the puzzle solving this game. We got to grab an item, put an item here, move an item. You know, different yeah, basic and, thing. Yeah, and she's also. She helps you see more of the cyclical nature because you first see the more the murals showing the cyclical nature of the uh, Chaturda, Zelatoth, and Yulioth. Also known as rock, paper, scissors. Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> I mean, you also have Mantarok, which I mentioned, which is like this god that's on Earth, but he's imprisoned in, in there or something. 
Yeah, there's a and there's something interesting about that that I like to point out. Something that play you will play an important part later if you when you think about it. When Pius finds Mantarok, he's using Mantarok's rune to do it. Oh, that's interesting. And that that's interesting enough for another reason, which we can get into when we get to the point where we can discuss the bind spell. But you don't get that to way later. During the game, the Elias chapter, you get introduced to the sanity meter, which is uh, a good thing. That's that's when you first get introduced to the sanity because she gets the sanity effects. She's the first one to quote experience them. She's also got the blessing that. You're dealing with creatures that, for the most part, won't dra- drop too much insanity. I mean, if you're dealing with the Yulios zom- with the Zelotov zombies, yeah, they're going to be a mess. And you really get introduced to all the the different zombie classes mm-hmm. in the game. Nothing's explained to you, but yes. <laughs> well, you get to see them because the Chaturga zombies, the red ones, the raw meat ones. I like them for some you, reason. You hate them. I like them. We fight them all the time, and I, I had no like, problem fighting oh, yeah, them. Yeah, you're going to fight them longer because they'll lop off a head, lop off the arms. Hey, we're good. We're good. It's not going to buy. How did it get its head back? How did it get its arms back? Oh, shit. Oh, yeah. I, I didn't realize that till later because normally I'd kill them pretty quickly, but it was later I'm like, oh, I see they regenerate. <laughs> We didn't yeah, talk yeah, about the combat in, uh, in Pius's chapter. Where yeah, it, uh, it drops you in front of combat is introduced in Pius's chapter. Drops you in front of a statue of Pius himself, and you can target the arms and the head to show you that you can do it in the the actual combat too. Oh, okay. I didn't catch that. That's cool though. And the statues are imp- that statue is also important later. Yep. You know, you get to you also have to deal like with Zelotos zombies. They look like mummies. You lop off a head, lop off a limb. It's like Whatever. Still can hit you with that phantom limb. <laughs> okay, I didn't have to deal with those, I don't think, then. Because I don't remember that any and, phantom limbs. Well, there, in, at least in Aaliyah's chapter, you would have seen... You get to see all of them at yeah. once. Okay, I might have just moved really quick, and I wasn't... I played through this game very fast, as fast <laughs> as I could, just because I had so much going on, and, and just how I play games. Like Especially in a game like this, I was constantly trying to move on to get through it as fast as I could. Kill everything as fast as I could. I, I hate the Yuliot zombies. The blue ones that look like they're drowned. I didn't yeah. see many of those at all. Yeah, I get the green. Well, the blue ones, they're nasty for one reason. You do enough damage, they start to sing. Yeah, unless you take off their head. And when they start to sing, any other nearby Yuliot zombies will start to sing too. And then they go kablooey. And you can't oh. get your sanity back. Ah, uh, And you don't get the healing spell right away, so that could be a problem too. Yep. Okay, that's cool. I mean, also, I think one thing that kind of stuck out to me in this game early on is how almost er every chapter just about ends terribly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that amused me. There's like three people out of all the ones you play as that don't die right at the end of their chapter. No, they die later. Like, even like with Elia, she gets to the end of her chapter, finds Pius, and then he like, She's like, ah, sacrifice her. They just they just take her and kill her and throw her in some room or something. Yes, and, that's and when it. we get to that, let, we, let's, we got to discuss our things. I mean, this the chapter also introduces projectile weapons. The latest chapter introduces projectile There's weapons. There's not a lot in this game, though. Yeah. yeah. There are guns but later, but they really only serve a couple of purposes. Optional moment in the latest chapter. You know, when Wait. you fall through that, once you get the blowgun, which shoots out poison darts, can poison the enemies. It's not that useful. <laughs> Uh, yeah. You want to know something? My first time I played it, I had to I had to finish finish Aaliyah's level using only that. I I've done it too, 
when I first played this game, but I don't like it. Yeah, yeah I don't necessarily like it, but if you save the guard after you go down that trap door and your sword breaks, the guard can enchant your item and repair your broken melee weapon, repair that sword. Yeah, which is what I did, too, because I followed the guide. Yeah. <laughs> so. Now, I first time I did it, I didn't do that. Now, you have 100 poison darts, and you are able to. You should be able to get through the chapter with it. I did it my first you time. You can. Play. You don't. I mean, I the first time I played this game, I did, too, because I didn't save the guard. The yeah. very first time I played it. Not during this save, because I was reading, but yeah. so I know what you're and, talking about. Uh, you will also, I mean, the murals you see in her chapter, in Elias' chapter, literally show you what happened. And in that very chapter, at that very moment, Aaliyah gets sealed into that temple. Which was kind of cool. I just don't, I don't care for Aaliyah. Aaliyah. <laughs> her, uh, her big thing was that she wants, she wants adventure. And man, did she find it briefly. Yeah. In a terrible way. And just before she died, you know, just, you know, that when he, she finally first sees Mantarok. I mean, you see uh, two of the guards sort of get nabbed. That whole thing was weird to me. Yeah, that looked like purple worms. Remember those. But, yeah, she eventually, when she gets to that final room, that she has to double back to open it up and get in there. This is after she's been given the heart of Mantarok. Which doesn't mean anything in this game for a very long time. Given is a very generous term. (laughs) I think it was forced into her. Yeah, Yeah. no, I completely agree. Did you hear, did you take note? uh, I know, Michael, you probably took notice of it. When the guards approach with Pius, do you hear the hiss? I don't think so. There's a hiss. It's one that becomes familiar as you play the game more. Hmm. But yeah, the guards are not in control of their bodies. Oh, that makes sense. That's cool. Yeah, so I mean, it's something you really catch on. You hear it again more in, at the towards the end of Anthony's chapter when you finally see what caused that. Speaking of Anthony, I do kind of want to jump into his chapter. That one... Oh. He, I, I remember playing it when I was younger. I gotta say, after especially playing through it the second time, he is a fucking idiot. So <laughs> Anthony's chapter takes place in eight eight hundred fourteen AD. He's like in you know you're like in France or somewhere in that area. Um, yeah, and, it's French. And he gets he he gets this message. Okay, deliver this message to your liege, but don't open it. First thing he does, less than a minute after the guy walks away, he opens it and gets, and curses himself. Yep. And I then expected uh, something wasn't right. Yeah, but. I don't. I think he was. He just looked nosy to me. He's just like, oh, I want to see what they had to say. <laughs> Didn't go so well for him. He likes to open things though, because immediately as he gets in that church, you run up and just throw open that coffin to find that mutilated body. Oh, that causes problems too. I don't <laughs> like his chapter. Like I, because as he gets cursed, like the whole chapter, he starts moving slower and slower and slower, and he just gets. Yeah. It, it's not fun. It's. It, but it's, he can't die in that chapter. Huh. Colson, don't they like? I forget what they do with him at the end. They do something to him when after you kill the monk and you're at the end. No, yeah, because uh, uh, he comes back around later on. Yeah, I found him in the later not alive, ones. but he's he's walking yeah, around. He's trying to save Charlemagne. Charlemagne's in that room that the door is locked. The bishop has it locked, so you know you can't do anything. You can't get in there, so you basically have to find the bishop to get the key, and you find out. So he's going through, and you see more zombies and all that. You also get introduced to the magic system. Yeah, because uh, Anthony's the first one to, to actually find the room that has the Tome of Eternal Darkness in it. Yeah. yeah. With the floor made of faces that scream at you. I do. I hate that room <laughs> so and much. Just lining the hall. It's not fun. 
Yeah, but if you notice, every statue, every time you go in there, it has more statues in it. Yeah, I did. I did catch that, and I was looking to see who they were too. Yeah, and this is yeah. where you could see Pius's broken statue where he uh, mangled it himself back in the day. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't catch. Okay, I was wondering why his statue was always broken. Yeah, and, and those also play a part later when in the final battle. Right. But as you each time you go through it, you can see the people who quote died at the end of their chapters. Well, they all died. <laughs> Not all. Most. Well, most of them died, but at some point, you know, after their chapter, they die. Um, it doesn't go. I mean, that's the two Roybuses are actually at the far back. The ones closest, like the semi closest to the tome. It's it's very interesting. Like even like I was saying with Anthony, like his just, everything with Anthony just goes by quickly. I felt like it was a short chapter to me. I think, it and, helps that he gets like the best sword in the game. The two edged sword is yeah. amazing. Um, you don't always get the two edged sword. Really? I found that out because I let the monk holding it die in my third playthrough. Ew. Oh, and yeah, you don't. You have to not. You have to let. You have to save him in the part. Yeah. And that was the first time I ever had that happen. And it does have an effect later on in Paul's chapter. Right. Because I know Paul can get it back when he finds Anthony. Yeah. Peter, for some reason, I guess they find it and it's on display in Peter's chapter. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get there, Mike. We're, yeah, we're going <laughs> to. I, I have a couple things I want to say about the magic system before we move on to the next chapter. With like, what you say about magic system, it is interesting. Like you, how you have to find runes, you have to find these stones, you have to find all oh, these yeah. little different pieces to end up to cast spells, and you have to kind of like make your spells too. And I thought oh, yeah. all that was very interesting. I love oh, yeah. spell making in games, and the fact that it just lets you plug in runes no matter what, and whether you have the the spell list or not, you can kind of tool around and make your own spells assuming that the runes line up. I thought that was really a cool thing. Like it yeah. as much as I didn't like parts about this game and it freaked the hell freaked me out. <laughs> it is a very there's some very cool parts. And I like how all the stories are so interconnected. Mm-hmm. Like I thought that was such a very interesting thing. And then as I was playing through this game again, I realized the far as I ever got was chapter four, I wanna say maybe the beginning of chapter five. But four when you play as um Kareem, I think his name is that that one gets me like that's like, I think are you in Persia again? Yeah, oh, yeah, you're yeah, in the Forbidden can... City again, which is the same place that Pius was at, but now you're in 565 AD, and it's yeah. a very interesting part. Like this guy can actually fight. You're playing. You have two swords. Like you, you actually can just blow through this part and take out enemies, and you don't feel so weak like you did with some of the with the other two characters before this. And Karim is actually really the one that you really start dealing with the projectile weapons. I mean, Aaliyah was all, it was a projectile weapon you didn't necessarily want to use, but with Karim, it's a projectile weapon you really need to use because um, <laughs> in the third chapter, you're introduced to the trappers. Yeah, the trappers. Little scorpion I, bastards that have no eyes, so they detect I, you by I, sound. I used them just to warp me, and then I kill them that way at first. I didn't want to, because I, as anyone who listens to the show a lot, I save every weapon that's disposable. So I wouldn't <laughs> use the range stuff. I would just save it, and at first for a while, I was like, oh, let them just shoot me where they got to shoot me. At least I don't use my item. I almost exclusively use the range weapon to kill trappers, unless... You're supposed to. Yeah, yeah. unless I need something refilled, then I'll, uh, then I'll let them send me to the trapper dimension yeah, that's a place to restore stuff yeah and you can only ret- restore one thing at a time in a- on a visit there right I yeah th- but there's usually so many trappers it doesn't matter 
Yeah, well, each time you go there, though, it will get a little bit harder and harder to maneuver about. I think the one time I got transported in there, there was a horror waiting. <laughs> yeah, they, that can be annoying. I, I remember the first time I saw one, I was scared of it, but then I realized, like, oh, I've, it's on it's on the teleporter. I just teleport over and kill it. Yeah. So we, co- we you're forced into the, the Trapper Dimension a couple times later on in the game because you, uh, you send different objects there, and I would assume... Anytime you use the Summon Trapper spell, anything that you send there probably is going to show up there the next time you end up in that dimension. Yeah. Oh, is, is that really why cool. some of those blocks in that body were there? Yep, yeah. that's exactly why. That I, was. I didn't. I was wondering why there's just this random. Like, why is this body here later on all the time? <laughs> body in the I forgot that. Oh yeah. Okay, that's cool. And also with Kareem, I like how his whole reasoning for going to this this forbidden city is to find a ruby for a girl. She's like, yeah. if you get the ruby, I will love you. And then, girl, yeah. It's like he's been there forever. The iconic courage line at the end of that chapter. Oh, I never noticed this either. Apparently, she was gave herself to a nobleman. She is then mutilated and killed by the nobleman's jealous mistress. Yeah, that's yeah. why she looks all cut up. Oh, I didn't get that. Yeah. I, I like that when he finally gets there, because he's been gone for all these years looking for this thing, and she's dead. Like, I like yeah. that. Like She's dead. She's like, well, take this artifact, and we can be together forever. Oh yeah, and you have to get so many, you get certain things, and but it's the second chapter we actually see that a torch can be a good weapon. Yeah, I only used it to run around and see things. Two of the zombie types, the Mantarok zombie and the Zelatos zombie, they're very prone to fire. One strike, they're dead. Yeah, I never. They'll burn to death. But you only have to like burn the environment one time in Anthony's chapter, and that's that's all the, they decided to use that for. The tapestry, yeah. Yeah. You can use it on those Mantarok zombies. They run around in that chapter, too. Yeah, they could have done more puzzly stuff with it, though. It's kind of a disappointment. And if he is playing by, Zealot, by Zelotos' path, he's going to run into those more. It's like, whack, bye, whack, bye, whack, bye. Okay, stab, stab, stab. We're good. All right, Sandy, back. This is the first chapter that has one of the effigies in it. And I don't know yeah. if the, the color changes depending on what artifact you yeah. have, but I, I got the ruby effigy I here. I did, too. Oh. Okay, so yeah, it's just the same. Effigies, but it helps towards the end of the game. Right. It's just secret collectible, more or less, that'll get you something good at the end. Mm-hmm. It just gets you the sword in the end, I found out. Yeah, the enchanted glass. And the enchanted one that acts as a projectile as well. Oh, it does? Hmm. Yep. I didn't know that. It was interesting. Like, I, I went for it because the game told me to, but I like how you can miss it completely if you just don't go up a ladder or something. Yeah. It, and then it's a, and then when I got to Chapter 5, where you where I thought Chapter 5 is interesting, really, because it jumps you. You play you go back to the manor, but this time you're in the manor not as Alec, but you're in the manor as one of her ancestors, Dr. Mac. Dr. Maximilian Royvis. He was not my favorite at <laughs> all. Because, one, he yeah. runs slower. Yeah, some people. So yeah, real quick, I want to touch on that. That uh, each character has different kind of hidden stat, whether they be stamina or health or sanity. Which I guess those yeah. are a little less hidden because their bars are a different size. But yeah, the uh, the heavier set characters definitely run slower, and they can't run as long. So yeah, it's kind of rough in a horror game. Yeah, and Maximilian can also get you autopsies of all the creatures, which is kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> It doesn't do anything, does it? Uh, I mean, it's in one of the menus. You can go in and read his his findings on them. Oh, so you mean it doesn't do anything? Okay, exactly right. Thank you, clarifying for me. I I did I did it once or twice, and I said, and then I just stopped caring. (laughs) I mean, I do like his chapter. Like his 
I don't like playing as him, but like you run around the mansion, things are normal at first, then all of a sudden the servants start going after you, and it gets it because gets interesting. Yeah, yeah, and it got it got me like you you and you only have two pistols because it's seventeen sixty, so you have you know muzzle loading flintlock one shoot one fire pistols, and I, so you kind of have to like shoot and run, shoot and run, and then reload. You but didn't was, grab saber. I grabbed the saber too, but I used the gun on the horse. Oh yeah, definitely. I used the saber for everything else. I think I usually just use melee weapons on the on the horse because I'm so used to it. I I, I I did most of the time. I mean, I, I like I, melee I, weapons better. I mean, horrors, they're they you get rid of the three head eyes, whatever they have, depending on which one alignment you got. They are they they fall quick. They'll yeah, fall, especially if you use an enchanted weapon or. You the do thing that, that ra- Ram Dao. Oh, that was such a beautiful weapon in Karen's chapter. The, the thing I do want to say about Max's chapter that really hit me, this is the first chapter, one, first in the mansion, but also as, you, as you're exploring the mansion, you finally get access to the basement, which is locked as Alex, and you get access to this bottom area, which is like this huge like city that, is, like, is it transporting yes. you to the city then, I'm assuming? Yes, city of Benga. Okay, and I thought that I, I love the way if you go down there, you you fight some things, you kill a guard, and he's like, I'm gonna have to go get help. And then he leaves, he goes up the stairs, and, and the next thing you see is a little scene that shows him locked up in a sanatorium going, I'm not wrong. May the rats eat your eyes. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's one of the one of my favorite lines in this game. You don't find out why for a while what really happened. Oh man. Boy do you. Actually though, when you you see if depending on how early and how much exploring you do on the second floor you get an idea yeah oh i i never did because when you get up there as alex she can see she watches his ghost walk into where the door used to be for the servant's room the I servant's saw that, but i never like i had thought he just went crazy because he told them what happened they brought and he brought them back there and then they saw well there's nothing here so they thought he was crazy yeah max gets a little paranoid i suppose having your servants randomly attack you and burst in the bone thieves will do that yeah, he, just, he snips <laughs> in the bud and kills everybody. You either want to behead them or lop off both arms. Lopping off both arms always works. And the fact, like, and I think that's cool when you find out that you know, way later in the game what happened. Also, fun fact, the guy who did the voice actor for this character we're talking about, Max, also was the actor who played Jack Porkins during the Death Star attack in Star Wars Episode 4. Oh, jeez. <laughs> All right, here's another little fun little fact. The name of the chapter, The Lurking Horror. That was also a that was also an infocom game back in the day, text adventure based off Lovecraft and work. Huh, sweet, yeah. it is cool to be back in the chapter or in the in the mansion because in between each chapter, like we said, you play as Alex. You're kind of exploring where each chapter gets you a little further throughout the mansion. So it's cool to see it kind of in its heyday with actually being lived in at the time. Yeah. I, I like that. I liked how, and because in the guide, it kept telling me, "Hey, make sure you pay attention. Make sure you know what you're doing." <laughs> and I'm just like, "What?" Because you know, you're going to be in the mansion later, and it's going to make sure you know where rooms are. I'm like, and then I was a little nervous. I'm like, "This is really simple. Like, I did not need to be prepared. Didn't need any of this." <laughs> Speaking of the mansion, I'm surprised I didn't bring this up earlier, Mike. You had to have flashbacks to the Luigi's Mansion, where the foyer having the double staircase right in the front feels <laughs> feels very resonable. Again. Yeah, it, it did. I, I kind of had a little bit of that theme going on. That's <laughs> oh, yeah. when I kept hearing all the damn time. I was oh, wondering yeah. what was happening. I'm like, why the hell do they keep knocking the phone? I think one time the phone was ringing and nobody was there either. Like, I was like, what the fuck is going on here? Uh, you answer the phone and you hear, remember me, Alex, from Edward? And this can't be happening. 
Yeah. Oh, and 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 then at one point I I went upstairs because I had to for something, <laughs> and Mike told me don't. I told check you the not bathtub. to inspect the bathtub because I know like, you don't like horror stuff. I'm like I'm gonna check the bathtub <laughs> anyway. Jeez. And you all of a sudden get a split second flash of her in the bathtub filled with blood. I remember I jumped. And I was just like, damn it, why the hell did I do that? Because <laughs> you wouldn't have said anything. I never would have looked. I would have just, I never would have had a reason to investigate it. Like I told you not to. I even explained to you what it was. You would have seen things. You would have said, anytime you can interact with something, you get a B button, you know, and you, you see the interaction and you want to do it. Oh, that's, yeah, that's a, that's a interesting little picture, slightly creepy. Yeah. The bathtub? Ah! Yeah, it's. <laughs> It's bad. It got me. And I was just like, why it did I do that? It doesn't matter how low, how high your sanity is. It'll still get you. It's creepy. But I, yeah. I thought that was a cool touch, though, like that the game has this. And you also kind of seen Alex. Because what we hadn't mentioned yet is the way each chapter is, is after you finish the chapter playing enough and character, you go back to Alex. And she'll be in the mansion. And you have to use the ability you kind of gained or something to find the different pages that are hidden throughout the mansion of this book. Yeah. And each page you read then takes you to another character that you play at. And the so, one that we got to next is Dr. Jones. Yeah, because in uh, Ma- Maximilian's it's chapter, you, you can... where you are. You're back in the secret room at the end of the chapter, when the chapter ends. That's because uh, that's the only room that's safe. Huh, that's that's why I teleport you there, because later on there will be enemies in the mansion, and oh, they yeah, want you to have a safe room to save. There must be a typewriter in there somewhere. <laughs> Or some safety music from Resident Evil. Yeah, right. But I, I, okay, I was wrong about this. Like the next chapter is the guy's called Edwin, Doctor Edwin Lindsay, who's an archaeologist yeah. exploring the Cambodian ruins again that you were with earlier in the game. But I kept calling him Doctor Jones because he acts just like you know Indiana Jones. But I didn't realize it takes place in 1983. Yeah, I thought idea. it was much like I was thinking 1930s, 1940s, not 83. Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> It's a good chapter, though. Like, this is a character that actually is, like, he has good health, because I, I don't remember if we said this yet, but every ca- every character has different health, different magic yeah. meters, different <laughs> insanity meters. I mentioned it briefly. Okay. And I think that you know, he's actually a good Like, this was a fun, this was a little too long of a chapter, but it's a fun chapter. But also, when I was playing this, I found out there's a thing that can fuck you over. You can miss a rune or miss a spell that you a need later drop. in the game that you can completely eh, skip. You don't need it. It just, it's... Kind the trapper of really spell. Useful. I think you can miss something for the trapper spell here. Really? I, yeah. I missed one of the codexes, but you can still use the runes without it. Okay, I think it, you can actually miss something of an. It said the guys that you can miss something and completely screw yourself. Well, you can miss the Mantarok rune. But... Mantarok, and that's that is quote optional. Yeah, but as far I, as the normal runes, there's usually some kind of barrier that prevents you from progressing yeah. until you get it. Okay, so you can't fuck yourself then completely. Yeah. All right. I don't but I mean can, Rock rune doesn't count to me. You can always find your codexes, you can always find the runes, and you can use spells even before you get their scrolls by creating them. Right. Okay. I tried it a couple times. I did miss one of the codexes for like tier I think, so which is summon. Yeah. But yeah. it's it's not yeah, you don't need it. Isn't it? I liked this chapter a lot, though. I, I didn't like how long it was, but I liked that that was kind of you're going through, you're solving puzzles, you're moving things, you're going deeper into this place. Like, it was pretty cool. I like you get, you get to introduce to the gatekeepers. Oh, yeah. The guys with the big tails and the, the wings. They're annoying. Oh, yeah. They suck. Oh, yeah. The only way you can really hurt them is to hit their heads when their quote wings are open. Right. And I like that. Uh... The Dr. Lindsay's uh, an archaeologist, so you're using his little archaeology brush to 
brush away sand to solve puzzles. I don't know yeah. why, but, but it was kind of fun for me. It's weird. It, it, <laughs> to solve puzzles to find uh, cobwebs to find hidden objects. Right. Which is a good thing. I mean, that's and if you have a controller that rumbles, you can know that there's something nearby. My controller didn't rumble. What I don't like about this location is the trap hallways. Oh, they have little yes. pressure pads. Ugh, just the you worst. And disable the traps on the second hallway for a time. Right. Yeah, which I mean, there are switches in every, in, in, in these different co- corner rooms, which are kind of useful. But I kept forgetting to hit them, so I would just run through an entire room with traps going the whole time. <laughs> So that wasn't a good thing, but it's what I did. Well, you get the, I think by now you have the shield spell and that that's a godsend because it just negates damage. Yeah, the shield spell made the game much (laughs) much easier, much more playable for me. Absolutely. I couldn't have done it without it. But once you get the Mantarok room, you can really start having some fun. Right. I didn't use it that much. Because, uh. Normally, the reveal invisible spell will reveal invisible things, but if you use the Mantarok rune, it turns your character invisible, so you can just run past enemies. So that's what they kept talking about, and my guy, they kept saying, turn invisible, use it. I'm like, what the fuck is this invisible spell? And just, I never did it. No wonder yeah. he had a hard time later. Eh, I, the hardest time I had later was with Peter, but we'll get there soon. We're almost there. I, <laughs> I don't think there's too much... I, I do want to say, like, with Ed, with um, Dr. Jones, like, the whole thing with him is he actually... He gets the heart of Mantarok. Mm-hmm. He finds Ella's body at the end, or Elia, yeah, and he survives. She seemed better than this. She didn't survive, but he survived. <laughs> like, he actually goes back, and he and he goes back to the same mansion that you're living in, and that confused me, because I was thinking this was before her, her grandfather took over the mansion. But like he just he's just there for some reason in the mansion. It's the, the the gathering of light as they keep calling it. Yeah, and if you pay attention to the opening move, the opening cinematic, he's narrating it. Oh. And the Royvis family is gets linked to all this. At the beginning of Maximilian's chapter, he states that he was surprised to find the mention of his ancestor in the book, Max, Doctor Maximilian Royvis. So okay. he knows about everything. Basically, by the time Alex is comes to his care because her parents passed away. Well, I know he knew because he goes through his own shit, too. Mm-hmm. But I was just confused why Edwin Lindsay, because I was thinking this was like an earlier year. Because, again, when I think archaeologist and I think of Dr. Jones, I'm thinking of <laughs> 1930s, 1920s, yeah. not 1980s. Yeah. Not enough Nazis in this chapter. Yeah. This game had no Nazis, actually. They, they stayed away from World War II. Yeah, we're gonna get to World War One though. Uh, that, that's Peter's. Yeah. What is Chapter Seven? Chapter Seven is hearsay. I can't even remember what the hell it was. All this is Paul's chapter. Yeah. You're Paul back was, in the church. Yeah. Paul was okay. Yeah. This wasn't a really important chapter. I felt you got the five point spell DLA that lets you get more powerful spells, and you're also introduced to Paragon, and you'll hear that a lot. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't that annoyed me up here in yeah, the way they talk. Pargon, Pargon, Pargon. Yeah, he basically uh, dies he, terribly. Yeah, he does die terribly. You get introduced to the Black Guardian, the Greater Guardian. That was oh, we'll get there soon. And also in Paul's <laughs> Paul's chapter where you run into Anthony again for right. the first time, and you can kill him to take a to take a sword. Yeah, if you got the sword in his chapter, which apparently you can miss, but. Yeah, Which I did. Yeah, it was nice to get that again because that mace is kind of shit. That whole thing was weird. Like the whole he gets, he's trying to he because he goes in the, he's in this church and there it's uh, what year is it fourteen hundred fourteen eighty five A.D. and these these monks are are like apparently being like witch hunter witch hunter monks essentially. Yeah, kind of way to put it. 
It was the Inquisition. Mm-hmm. Ah, okay. And he ends up finding a dead body in the hallway or in the in within the pews, and they think he's the one that did it. They throw him in jail. Every time well, someone you, comes to this church, there's a dead body. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you take a note, the the monk leading the Inquisition is Augustine, and you later find that in if you listen to the voice, that's pious. Mm-hmm. Oh, speaking of voices, Paul's voice by uh, Colonel Campbell from Metal Gear. <laughs> That's kind of funny. And Anthony was Liquid Snake, which is why he's such a ham, because Cam Clark is always a big ham. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I mean, they, Silicon Knight did make Twin Snakes, like, right sure. after, a couple years yep. after this, so that makes sense. They used a lot of the voice actors again. Okay. But, as you know, it's, you're basically now going through trying to pull clear your name, but also suspecting some things aren't necessarily right. I mean, the Inquisition was such a negative thing. No one suspects it, so... It's a, it's a weird chapter. I mean, it's not. It's one of my least favorite chapters. Like you just kind of run around the church, and it doesn't have. It kind of doesn't have any really cool moments. Like finding the guardian, which is like this giant gargoyle-looking thing in the basement that just like Pius captures you and you just sacrifices you to the guardian, and then that's the end of your chapter. Killing Anthony, I think, is the highlight of the chapter. Yeah, it was cool seeing him again, though. Yeah, it's cool to kill him. <laughs> I don't <laughs> not, like him. He's one not of my a least fan. favorite. What about Roberto in the next chapter? Oh, God. <laughs> okay, I you guys both warned me that I was not gonna like chapter eight with Roberto. And I'm like, well, I'm sure it can't be that bad. <laughs> the, the whole thing with that, like, that's just a, a weird. Like, it starts off in Persia again, yep. and you have this guy Roberto Bianchi, and he yep. that's it in 1468 AD, and he ends up talking to Pius, but he Pius is wearing a metal helmet, and he can't. He's like, you can see me. And, and then, so, they say something Actually, special no, about him. No, that one wasn't Bianchi. That cutscene featured a character that was initially Ooh. planned for the game, but they cut him out. I think it was supposed to be some sort of Knight Templar. A Templar, yeah, I was reading that in there, too. Hmm. Okay, you're right. But okay, I was wondering about that. That's something I even ran with later. Well, we can get into that a little bit later. <laughs> we will. But let's get back to Roberto. Yeah, he's... This is about the only chapter where you really have a map of the level ahead of time. Yeah, because uh, Roberto is an architect, and his whole goal here is to survey this crumbling temple to make it a little more habitable. Yeah, because they're, they're trying to build something in here, if I remember correctly. It was weird. like, that whole, like that. <laughs> that whole thing where they throw you down here, they're like, oh, we'll, we'll let you out if you can, if you do your job. And, and you, you run around this thing, you, you have to survey different rooms, you fight a couple of giant worms, and you see other people that are going, that are down here working too, I'm assuming are also slaves. Yeah. yeah. Doesn't those worms look familiar? Uh-huh. No. The, the surveying is a neat idea, but the fact that the level's so winding and Roberto is easily the slowest character. And then the they game, make you run all the way back. <laughs> all the way finish. back. That, that pissed me off. <laughs> and that, oh, that yellow floor. Uh-huh. This is the first. This is the first instance of it. Yep. Okay, I <laughs> fucking hate that. I don't like anything about this chapter. This is probably one of the. Well, <laughs> it was my least favorite chapter until the next chapter. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was not a fan of Roberto. And then the whole thing—he goes in there, he surveys everything, he gets, he finds Kareem's ghost, gets the blue, gets the other artifact, and then he just he goes back. They let him out, and they throw him into the tower, into a tower. Yeah, the Tower of Bodies. <laughs> <laughs> 
What the hell was that? Can someone explain that to me? Because I didn't understand that when you see him standing in this big hole in the ground and they just throw him in there and then you see him like plastered later on on the, on the wall. Well, look at this like an of, offering to the, yeah, the ancient. Yeah, Okay, it confused that me, and I was like, "What the hell is this?" Power coming into our world. Huh. All right, it was a weird. It's it's not my favorite chapter. The next chapter with Peter Jacob, I got really excited for because I like <laughs> stuff that takes place during World War One because you don't get a lot of fiction during that time. You just don't. It's just one little. And I and I so I get I get interested. I get excited, and I'm like, okay, it starts off in the church again that you were in with Anthony and the monk guy. Paul and you have bodies everywhere because you know it's, it became a hospital and you're running around like it was it was cool like I was I liked this you have to but the, the thing that in his chapter I thought was fun you get a decent amount of ammo you get guns you're fighting monsters like it's kind of fun and I'm like okay and then I'm talking to Mike and Mike's like well have fun with that boss I'm like I got plenty <laughs> of ammo I'll be just fine he's <laughs> yeah, like that's not gonna do anything that's not gonna work I'm like what <laughs> yeah you have to use the uh, attack well, that's the spell. Magical attack, that's it. It's terrible. Three, five, and three. It is the worst part of this decently good game at this boss fight, especially if you don't know what to do. Because you, you, as you go through Peter's chapter, there's not a whole lot to say. You, you get some things, you fight enemies, you. But finally, you get to the guardian that you saw earlier that killed Paul in this church and has this rune in him, and you have to fight this guardian. And the thing about the guardian, he has three phases, because you know this 2002 video games. Well, let's, and let's, that's still a thing. Let's yeah, but it's worse 2002. Because you had the Zelatoth one. Okay. I have the green one, yes. Yeah. Now, I started off with Chaturga, and I ended with the Ulioth one. Which one did you have, Michael? I had Ulioth. So, so we, wow, we managed to cover all three of them. Exactly. This is something that, because it's a different approach, when even all the creatures have some differences, like the Zelatoth bone thieves, they don't have a head, so you can't, quote, decapitate them, you just have to de-arm them, unarm them, whatever you want to say. <laughs> but... Each one has sort of different attacks. I mean, Ulios one, that three-legged horror monstrosity that shoots those magical bolts that can drain your magic ability. Yeah. Not nice. Zelatoth had those spears that spears that could zap you, I think, in the first round. But Chaturgas, that thing has that tongue that just goes the legs all and catches you, and you have to struggle and break free. Yep. Not fun. <laughs> I gotta pull up pictures of the other two because I don't remember what they look like. All right, Chaturga is basically a lobster. That's interesting. Oh, geez, Zelatoth is creepy. It's like a weird forearmed. I don't even know. Really thin, like spindly creature. Been part of the inspiration for Siren Head. It reminds me of something, but I can't place it. Damn. And then yeah, Uliath. This is weird three-legged thing holding its own ball. Uh, how do you describe Eldritors, I guess? The blue one looks like a jellyfish to me, but... <laughs> Julioth looks like a jellyfish. Oh, uh, 100%. Yeah, yeah it's, I don't know how to explain these creatures. They don't make any sense. They're not supposed <laughs> to make any sense, though. That's no. true. That's how the game works. It's supposed to blow your mind. That's what Eldritch horrors... That's what cosmic horrors do. They break. That's why they lose sanity when they see them. Yeah. Yep. But I mean... The, the, this this fight just pissed me off because like you can't even hurt him unless he's glowing and he only yeah, glows yeah. at certain times and For a couple yeah. seconds. Ugh, it's terrible. It is, and like the second part when he summons these three zombies 
I was like, okay, I'll kill the zombies really quick, then I'll hit them. No, you have to go run in front of all three zombies, get them to see you, and then you can run over to the boss, and then he will flash He will flash white for a little bit, and you can hurt him. It's stupid. Yeah, because if there's some reason you attack the zombies, he won't go into that vulnerable phase. He just starts attacking you. And I spent an hour doing this boss fight for nothing, because it didn't matter, because I was doing it completely wrong. I'm sitting here, and I, I text Mike, and I'm like, what the hell is going on here? I'm doing this fight, and nothing's happening. He's like, well, the optimal uh, strategy is your first round, you avoid the attacks, you use the three-point magical attack when the attacks stop, when he starts glowing. With the second, you've got less room to maneuver. He will, The Guardian will summon three zombies. Just as the last one is quote, summon, start the five-point magical attack. And then yeah, but terrible. Is get four five bolts of energy that three wipe out the three zombies and the other two hit the Guardian. The third terrible. form is actually the easiest one because he just, at least in mine, he kept trying to step on me and then eventually got tired and I could hit him with the spell. It's way yeah, easier. Chaturga is constantly slamming the Chaturga's Guardians, slams his claws down trying to squash you. And Zelotov has those magical beams of orange energy. But you just run around, avoid them, and then, you know, wait until it tires out. Nah, Which is not saying one. much for an Eldritch Horror if it tires out. <laughs> the best part about Peter's chapter is you get the seven-point spell dealio. So it just means you can buff up your shield even higher. The best part was it ended. That was yeah, that's part. fair. I hated it. I, I, like I said before, I love World War One. I. I hated this chapter. It was just, it did all the things I don't like in video games. Yeah. I think it's by this time I start using all my, I really start using all the spells uh, to my, to my best. I get, even though you don't get the spell scroll until Edward's chapter, I'm using magic pool. Yeah. The magic. Because it refills both sanity and health. I suppose it helps recover magic, too. This was the first playthrough that I really abused that magic pool spell. It's super helpful. I didn't use it once. <laughs> That's so. why you had such a hard time. I use Could have been. The, I have the shield spell already set up for a, for a quick spell. And I usually have a recovery spell in case I need it set up to that. And I have the reveal invisible under Mantrock set up to one. Because it's so much easier to sneak about when you don't have a decent weapon and there's bone thieves running about if you're invisible. Yeah, that's what sucks about Peter's chapter is he doesn't start off with any weapons. He has a flashbang because he's a photographer for a paper. Yeah, he's an idiot. That apparently <laughs> him for a moment. Yeah, I didn't like him at all. No, I was not, not a fan. For some reason, survived. the the lucky penny puzzle is like the thing that I stuck with me long after I played this the first time. I don't know why. I don't know why either. Well, <laughs> it's one of those things. You have to. Uh, I, it shows a mark of when the designers also grew up to know this fact because right. it was a common fix for old fuse boxes. If you don't have a fuse and you need to replace a fuse, you use a penny. Okay. It's an old fix. And I think younger players will not necessarily understand that. I'm one of them. <laughs> Because I did not know that either. If you lived in a house that had a circuit breaker or a fuse box, you start learning that you learn these things. My house probably has, my house does have a circuit breaker, but it doesn't have any fuses I can shove things into. (laughs) Yeah. Because it wasn't, it was built in the 80s, so. Maybe that's why it stuck with me, because my my younger brother and I were playing this, and I remember we just kind of tooled around until we figured it out, and then. Told uh told our parents about it, and they're like, oh yeah, that 
it was pretty common back in the day. So maybe yeah. that's why the maybe that's why it ingrained itself in my brain. Great itself. That makes sense. Well, it's, a, it's a show of like, and also a, a sign of what gamers. Because the myself, you know, like I said, I played this. I first played this when I was in my twenties. So I grew up hearing stuff and watching stuff that was made in the sixties, seventies, eighties. And the older shows tend to fall back on that old on those old processes. So you get in gray. And if you grow, if you have like a grand, I had a grand. My grandmother on my father's side lived through the depression. Oh, so yeah, you. So I get more familiar with some of those old time things because you get grown up with it, and it sort of passes on to the more reasonable generations. I mean, I'm going to be honest here, just brief history in my own. Both my parents are quote baby boomers because they were they were born in that generation. But my father grew up with parents that lived through the depression, so he got some of that installed into him. And it never mother. went away either for people that like grew up in that time. Like they, yeah. they never let it go. No, they never do. It's just like it's part of why so many of them ended up as hoarders. Yeah, but, can only look forward 30, 40 years from now when we're all talking about COVID nineteen. Oh, it's going to affect some people forever. Like it is. Oh, yeah. Some people Absolutely. are never going to get over what happened. Unfortunately, oh, yeah. but my mother, she was a from a divorced family and lived in the pro- uh, had lived for a time in the project. So you get. You know, a generational thing. You get a you get it installed for common sense, and they part hammered some of that into me too. Right. So I I can. That's why I guess why I'm when I play games, I get a little bit more experience, and I'm a little bit different from the old play from the younger players because I can think of the old school and moon logic type thing that some people wouldn't think of today. I mean, in a time when you have circuit breakers and everything, nobody thinks of a fuse box. Yeah, it's not something that I would have thought of yeah. at all. I wasn't born in that time. Yeah. Luckily, you had the guide to tell you what to do. Yeah. Or, I mean, again, I wouldn't play this game without a guide, but I think we should move on to the next chapter. Um, like That's when the game, and Mike had brought up a good point to me. So the next chapter you play is Edward Rovius, who is her grandfather, but you play in 1952 AD inside the mansion. And Mike had mentioned that he thought this chapter should have been switched with the next one that we're going to talk about, but they changed it for pacing, so you're not doing the same thing two times in a row. <laughs> you're literally doing the same thing. Yeah, he and- talks about hating... Every- Peter's chapter introducing you to everything you hate in gaming, but how do you feel about padding? I hate it. <laughs> Don't like padding. And this game does a ton of it at this point. This chapter does a ton of it. And I don't know why. Like I think it's the part that because the Roybuses are, quote, viewed by this point as a major thorn, and their home is above one of the one of the areas which can cause a major disaster. I think yeah. the ancients overlooked that one. Just not, not realizing what's been going on underneath them, what has been put in place. It's not my favorite. Yeah, I mean, it's cool to be back in the mansion again. You're uh, kind of running around trying to figure out what's going on in this uh, spectral horror enemies teleporting okay. around your mansion, killing your servants like an asshole. Yeah, hey, I love that. Drinking their blood. Why does that sound familiar, Mike? Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> I do like how you can like save them. Like you have to kind of like wait out. You can save them, and then by doing that, you'll activate different things that happen. Like I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah, like but, uh, it, yeah, and you get an elephant gun. 
I never used the elephant gun at all because I saved it. For what reason? I don't know, but I saved it. I actually didn't get that this time because the, the servant died before I got to him. Oh, you know, my first time playing through it, I actually something happened that the, that the vampire ended up attacking a guy on the steps, so I couldn't get the elephant gun on the first playthrough. Second playthrough and third, I got the elephant gun, no problem. I love the elephant gun because <laughs> it's just so funny because it actually shows genuine reaction to anyone not prepared for the force of an elephant gun. You fire that elephant gun that's Roybus and he's flat on his ass a few times. And it's yeah, it is pretty funny because like, he's just uh, he's just a psychologist. He's not built to be handling the kickback of a monster gun like that. Oh, he, he's <laughs> not... He wasn't bad to play as. Like, his chapter was fun. It's just that when they make you go down... Like, I like how you go down to the basement and he figures out, like, there's this portal and you're in that forbidden city again that Max was in so many chapters ago. And it's just... Like, it's, it's interesting. It's just it's just a little too long. They make you they make you do this part where you go in a room, you press a button, you press another button. Oh, you got to teleport in this room. Okay, run through these two rooms. Go press the next button. All right, do that nine times. I'm like, what? Yeah, so you're down in the big city in your activating these towers that are like this big mechanical summoning thing. It's basically uh, like the spells you do, but it's uh, nine points, which is higher than you can cast on your own. It's weird. Yeah, your job in that chapter is to cast the spell. Right. Which one is he? He's trying to... uh, Shit, what's the word? Dispel magic? Is Is that what he's trying to cast in this one? Yep. Dispel magic and wipe out all the creatures that are down there. Which he does. <laughs> doesn't go so well for him years later, but he does it. No, but um, an interesting little note is like when you get... Now, this is difficult depending on the order you do the tower. I did them as the guide said. I just went left or right. That clockwise. Too. That's what the I guide told me to do also. I like did that once before too. I did them left to right. And what you end up... To, what I, I did left to right. Left to right is actually... Uh, yeah, that one makes sense. The one time I try, I think I did it the opposite direction. Is that? I'm assuming it doesn't work. It does, but it means you're going through doing it from the first point where the alignment rune is all the way around. Actually, opens paths prior, you know, because you go from one and you go into, you get back from one, you go back into that main hallway, that main uh, hall area. You come back from two, you have to go through room one. It's very so, annoying. Like it, it is. It it just feels like complete and utter padding for no reason but to make yeah, this chapter. If you, would, if you would do it, say start with point four or start with point five. Well, you come back to that room. Now you have to cross through and kill all the enemies in four. Activate that switch and then go out. Whereas if you would have done it like four and then five. You've already opened that pathway. You can just get through that room. It was it was weird. Yeah, it's at least so it's just padding. Yeah, and that's my problem with it. Like I I really like the next chapter. I also like how the the grandfather he finishes it. He's sitting at home. He's like, I did it. And then it isn't. And then the end of his chapter shows fifty years later they come back and kill him. Yeah, killed by one of the well, monsters. It's actually basically two weeks before you start playing as the, the game play the game. Which I thought was cool. I thought that was a very nice take on So I I was on board. What happened to him? I wonder what happened to his head. Because, like, they say say there's no head. I guess so. I mean, if you're a monster, that's what you do with heads, right? 
eat them. <laughs> oh, well, but with the uh, with Zelopos one, I think that basically smashed it so hard it was pulp. Yeah, that's fair. Okay. I can imagine that the Yulioth one, well, definitely the Chaturga one, basically nommed it off. <laughs> that's one way to put it. I mean, it just it was still cool. Yeah. And it, it, it had me. But I yeah, think I do want to... <laughs> I do want to go on to the, the last... The second to last chapter. This one really grabbed me. We play as Michael Edwards. You play as a firefighter who ends up... He's taking care of a fire on an oil rig or something, if I remember correctly. Uh, he was trying... The, it was an oil plat, oil set up during the Persian Gulf War. Oh, okay. 1991. Which the best way to basically put them out is to blow them up. Oh, and apparently they changed this chapter after the September 11 terrorist attack. Oh. So that he was supposed to be a Gulf War soldier instead of merely a firefighter hey during the Gulf you. War. Yeah, there was a lot of that around this time. Cause like yeah. the Spider-Man game that came out too, they had to take out the the towers and whatnot. Yeah, I really like this chapter. Like you get an M16 pretty quickly or an assault rifle, and it's just it is such a fun chapter. Like this was probably one of my favorite. Like you just run through here, you just take out guys left and right. You're not really scared of much. It, the puzzles isn't too much. It isn't too much running around. You're in the damn temple again that you've been in the Forbidden City multiple <laughs> times now. But I was okay with that. Like it was quick, and I did like how you you get to the end, you plant a bomb because he's like, I gotta blow this shit up. He blows the thing up, and then you have a timer to run out of there. And I thought that was really cool, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. The Metroid escape. Yeah, that too. that's what I was thinking. <laughs> but it was also, like, I find it funny that he first sees Roberto's spirit, gets the artifact from Roberto's spirit, gets the two effigies, if you collected mm-hmm. them, and yeah, gets both to take them to the Gathering of Light. And and I love how he goes, you want me to take this? To a host from Rhode Island? Island. <laughs> How the hell did he deduce that as a mansion in Rhode Island? And then what? this Roberto note it has to go to a city under a mansion in Rhode Island. It's seems a like weird when, chapter. Seems like when they touch like the important artifacts like that, it kind of gives them a flash of the house. So I, I think they can actually see that in their head. Mm, or something like that. Different. You get that extra added knowledge from being dead. <laughs> I guess. It's still interesting. I I like it how it kind of ties the game together a little bit more where he gets the other artifact that you're missing and he yeah. ends up giving the art he ends up mailing the artifact. Or he runs well, you find out later he mails it. But it was I thought that was interesting. Yeah, but I'm wondering when exactly did that meeting between Edward and Michael happen? It's supposed to be two thousand possibly two thousand AD, it says. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, because I mean, throughout this game, you do end up with all th- the other artifacts, like that you, the ones that whoever you're not fighting, you do get those throughout the game progresses. Like you get the one from here, and you get another one yeah. somewhere else, but I can't remember where. The lesser artifact is the one that's left in the Forbidden City, okay. and the greater artifact is the one that's taken to Amiens to be guarded by the Guardian. Oh, oh yeah. I guess we yep. get the second one from Peter. Right. Okay. Yeah. Now, and then we um, should. We should start to wrap up this this game because we're we're getting there. Um, the <laughs> I wanna, last, the last I want to talk about a couple of items in Michael's chapter real quick. Uh, you sure, go the, ahead. You get the Silent Hill flashlight, which is <laughs> so Silent Hill it hurts. And yep. you get one of my favorite melee weapons in all of gaming. I love fire axes in games for some reason. <laughs> They're so much fun. It made me immediately want to go play New Vegas. <laughs> and then uh, this is also where you get the payoff for the effigies, where you get the enchanted gladius. Yes. Oh, he, yeah, because he ships that to to Alex in the very end. Yeah, because you, uh, if you check the description, it says it can only be wielded by, like, the, the Warrior of Light or whatever, which is Alex. That's cool. Okay, I didn't catch that. I didn't, 
Yeah, that, that's a fun weapon to have in that final battle. I love having that in the final battle. I don't think I've ever done that final battle without it. But if if you screw up putting the effigies in the proper places, you summon a horror that you have to fight. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah, that's fun. what I saw. I, I just assumed it was the same rock, paper, scissors that the colors yeah, have been shoved down your throat the whole game. Yeah, but if you don't realize that first, you make the mistake, and I did that once. I have to fight a horror. Yeah, that's a saviness war. And loading. <laughs> but yeah, then yeah. you're uh, then you're back as Alex. And then this game was very tricky. You can't save the game unless all the enemies are wiped out in the room. Yeah, which is normal. They don't want you to save and put yourself in a bad situation. Oh, Max Payne, where you might not be able to reload your game or something because you just keep dying. You know, I don't want you yeah, but you also can end up putting yourself in the really bad situation of have making some good progress and then dying and have to restart it all. Okay, so 2002. Happened a few times while I was doing it this time around, too. So, uh, <laughs> 2002 for you. Yep. That's all I got. Just 2002 sucks. <laughs> but but yeah, we keep playing them on this damn show. I mean, I should mention this because it also happened in Edward's chapter. Like the Len Array point when he comes out of that room and he pulls that switch, that big worm attacks. Remember that, Mike, in really. Edward's chapter? Those time. worms show up in per- in the Persia, especially from that pit. They show up in Enga from that pit in that one room that you have to slowly walk around when you're with at when you play it as Alex. And they show up in Mantra Temple. They're the things that grab those guards, that he's feeding off of them. Right, right, right. Okay, that's interesting. Which should denote how big Mantra is. It's fucking huge. <laughs> the big yeah, fat slob. In Persia, from, from Angkor Wat, and to show up in a city under a, a, city under a, a mansion in Rhode Island, he is huge. So, I, I, I do like how, after you finish all these chapters, the game finally locks you back into where you're just playing as Alex. And I like this part. Like, I like it when Alex like, okay, I know what I have to do. And like, it's been about two chapters now where you've had enemies running around the mansion with her because there's yeah. a part you have to just, dis- you dispel something. That In ends the up- room that you actually had. The oh game. yeah. Where the, where the servants were killed that room. And then you have to open the safe. I thought that was cool. Like I, I did like it. Like it. Cause I mean, Alex's chapter, I thought, was actually really good, besides oh, yeah. the electrified floor for no reason, but to <laughs> piss me off. It was a really good chapter. Like it, you, So you run, you go into the base in the mansion, and the only problem is you essentially do the same thing you did with her grandfather, but now the floor is electrified. And it just felt unnecessary. The floor is electrified, and you have to cast Summon. Yeah, you're doing the Summon spell instead of the Dispel magic spell. It just... But other than that, it, it's a fun chapter. I, I liked every I liked playing as Alex. She's a good character to play as. And I do like how the game wraps up with a final boss fight, which is much better than the Guardian fight that you did earlier. <laughs> it barely qualifies as a boss fight. You know, hey, it's a boss fight, damn it. I don't want to hear that. <laughs> I liked it. It was good. It, it, oh, did you yeah. finally fight Pyatt? Yes. And I, and I thought that was well necessary. It was a good little fight. You hit him, and as you're fighting him, you end up playing as the ghost of the people who died throughout the game that have gotten the yeah. gotten the art gotten the tome of dark. It's like um, it was like I I I have I have it set basically. It's a bit of a four phase battle, I think, because your first phase is striking pious enough to attack to be able to attack the artifact. You have to hit him. And you have to hit the artifact, and you got to do this three times. It wasn't bad. 
it, it wasn't as bad as the as the Guardian fight. It was, you know, you, he didn't really have a lot of eye frame. You could just hit him. It wasn't like he'd go invincible forever. He had to, it was nice. It was a nice... Yeah, and then the first phase of the ghost attacks, after you hit the artifact, you've got to now hit it as the ghost. And yeah, I, I like that. I was completely on board with that. But you got to be aware, because if Pius strikes the ghost, you now have to revert back to Alex. She's got to strike him, strike the artifact again, and then the ghost must strike the... Artifact. It was it was still cool, and I, I liked I liked all this. I like how you finally have this final confrontation as Alex against Pius, and the whole thing is you're trying to summon the other ancient being to fight the one that you're fighting. And I thought was so cool is right after you finish, you beat Pius, and you get a little cutscene of like a hellscape world, and, and she's like, "What did I do? I just changed the you know I just changed the the demon that's going to kill us all." She doesn't say that, but that's kind of what they did. Yeah, and then you have to quote find it. And I, I thought that was cool. Like, I thought that was a really cool thing that happens in this game. Like, I like I liked this ending a lot. And as we I, know, I think we talked off air, maybe on here, too, is that throughout the game, you find out that it, if you beat it three, we well, don't find out throughout the game, but the game tells you if you beat it three times as each of the different gods, then in the end, somehow, through because time doesn't make sense in this world, <laughs> is they'll end up canceling out each other. So then Mantarok is the one that survives and then humans survive. Yeah, because he's already yeah. dying, so... Well, that's... And that's something I, I do discuss, because I do have a video that I put up about three years... A little over three years ago, because I just looked at the date I put it up on YouTube, and it was on my birthday in 2017, um, where I discussed that Mantarok is not the the, her, the heroic force that we think. Mantarok was... No, 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 because, and this is what I say, in Michael's chapter, you first get the bind spell. You first really get the chance to use it, because there are barriers that are in place that will remain there until the enemies are gone. You can't reach the enemies, you have to basically get it down to one enemy, because you can't maintain with one enemy. So you basically bind the creature. You can't bind the creature with its own alignment. Which is kind of cool, I guess. Pius, quote, Pius Bound Mantarok with his with Mantarok's alignment. Hey, you can't expect this game to be that you know right? <laughs> <laughs> that true to itself. That and it's revealed in the secret ending that each time you succeeded in your ending, defeating that ancient and destroying it, Mantarok rewound time. Okay. So you go through huh. it, then pick one of the other ancients, and then beat that one and rewind time, and only one choice left, and hence all three ancients are destroyed. They're also all bound. But cool. if he has this power, how is a nine level not a nine point Mantarok bind spell killing him? You know, who knows? <laughs> the game said so. Oh my god! All right, also I, part of the story. Any last thing to say about the? We should kind of talk about the ending and kind of move on, because I do got a bunch of questions I want to to mention that people... He has a lot of memories about this game, actually. Oh, yeah. I oh, mean, I, you know how I got introduced? Uh, we'll go into that in the memories. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll get there. But I, I do want to... Any last thing you guys want to say about the ending, Mike? Uh, No, not about the ending. I just want to say that a lot of love and attention was put into Alex's walk cycle, because, man, her hips don't lie. <laughs> it's more of that more of that buff inspiration i'm sure yeah i mean I, I admit i enjoyed watching your wall i kept thinking of i just i just can hear shakira now in my head thanks to you <laughs> that statue <laughs> on the second floor has good taste he knows what he likes <laughs> <laughs> yeah, moving on why 
Okay. So, I mean, but the ending, I mean, the ending was fine. Like, it's a cool game. You know, I think we kind of covered up most of the, what we need to cover from that. It shows that the event changed her, too. Well, of course. I mean, this would change you. Yeah. So, it. I think we should, any last things to say before we go on to questions, comments, or memories? Well, we should say how beautiful the soundtrack is, too. Yeah, soundtrack, soundtrack. <laughs> I, I just heard a lot of West Brandon knocking. Most of the game. I heard a lot. Of I remember <laughs> when I first played this game and I was listening to that soundtrack and it was so beautiful. I mean, you get an appreciation for music, quote, in horror movies that it's beautiful and all that. You're talking you to the wrong people for that. Right? <laughs> so. Both but, me and him hate horror, hate horror movies. So, yeah, you're oh, like, we're like, horror, I what's that? Did, I remember calling and asking, are they ever going to release the soundtrack for it? And months later, guess what came out through Nintendo Power? The soundtrack. Oh, the soundtrack. Yeah, that's cool. And I still have that soundtrack. I was listening to it before we started the recording. <laughs> All right, we're gonna first questions I want to read. I got I only posted in two groups because I forgot to post in more groups before this episode aired. So we're gonna first one is. I watched the entire World Blood replay, the whole reason this, this podcast started. First comment from Curtis Majors, one of my favorite games on GameCube and probably one of the best launch titles ever. It really got me into Lovecraft and Cosmic Horror. I still pine for a sequel and regret that the successor never got off the ground. <sighs> yeah, yeah, that little sanity fact where it's like to be continued, it kind of hurts all these years later when, yes, when we're never going to get one. Yeah. And this one from Tiffany Elberton, why do you torture yourself? Hey, I know <laughs> it made me play this. That's why. <laughs> <sighs> So from Antoine Taylor, be sure to play it three times through for the true ending or not. It's just an added cutscene at the end. I liked it enough back in the day to unlock it, yep. which I wasn't going to do because I didn't care. <laughs> and from Dallas Dogerty, the only thing I know about this game is that a friend had it and he said it was too weird. Definitely it's is weird. weird. You know how I got introduced to the game because my brother-in-law, which at that time was just my girlfriend's brother at the time, <laughs> He asked me for help in the game because he knew I liked games. And I ended up hunting down information and I'm like, this game actually does look very interesting. And I ended up purchasing it and buying it. And it sort of helped me through a slightly rough time at that time because I think I was going through a bout of unemployment at the time. It can be rough. But, this is, yeah, you know. it, it's, it was one of those things. I was a fan of reading books and video game-based books. And I'm thinking, wouldn't it be neat if they could turn this into a book? And then I'm thinking, the only way they could do it is to by doing three books, and they'd all read basically similar, so wouldn't make sense. Okay, I got a couple more to read from this group. No, three more from this group. Dallas Dogerty. Oh, I know I already read that one. Andrew Gerties. I have two. Brilliant misunderstood game. The way it bridges the past and the present by a stream of events through gameplay and setting is so ambitious. I adore just about everything about it, even the kitschy fourth wall breaking aspects. I agree. And yeah. from Jordan Etherington, the only good game Silicon Knights ever made, but damn, it was not a real good one. Right, Mike? That only is good game false they made, information. Right? <laughs> stick, stick around for next season. We'll, we'll talk about that. <laughs> As they say, a lot of people consider it mag uh, Silicon Knights magnum opus. But Mike, we don't have Twin Snakes on next season. What are you talking about? <laughs> we got something else. Twin Snakes will be on the show eventually because I, I, even though we did cover Metal Gear Solid a, a while ago, we're going to cover Twin Snakes too. I think at some point now. Uh, it's good because I want to. Might as well. So yeah, and different casts, so it'll be a different opinion on Metal, the first Metal Gear. So I figured, why not? Yeah. <laughs> All right, from the 
Nintendo GameCube enthusiast. I actually got a lot of comments. Thank you, guys. I wasn't expecting much for this game because this game is kind of out there. From Logan Jacob. I never got to experience it on a CRT, which I think is the best way to play this game. But fuck, this has spooked the shit out of me. I'm such a baby when it comes to <laughs> horror games. So am I. So am I. So was Mike. Yeah. Oh, here's a good one. Right. were designed, I think, for the period televisions at the time, which were, most, were pretty much cathode ray tube. I mean, the... A couple of the sound effects are, it'll turn down your volume or it'll like change the video channel. They're, the effects are very CRT based. Right. Deactivate the controller. Good stuff. And red, there's also a blue screen of death. Yeah, that sounds familiar. <laughs> All right. Uh, one more I want to read. This is a good This is a good one. From Evaldus Vatonis. Played it four years ago, but I wasn't impressed. As I remember, it was a gimmicky game that aged very poorly, especially Augustus' section was clumsy and boring to play for me. As much as I want GameCube to have the best exclusives, I wouldn't recommend it. Didn't get much satisfaction after beating the game, and I wish the game would end faster while playing it. Resident Evil 2 or Code Veronica are so much better games of the genre. was super hype, but disappointed in the end. Not, that's not a very average take of this game, so I wanted to read that. Like, Yeah. I mean, parts of that, he's really not wrong. No, he's not wrong at all. Those Resident Evil games are, are really quick and to the point, and this one definitely has some padding to this it. Is like a, and if you're if you're someone that likes the Resident Evil games, you're going to like horror, where me and Mike are like, get that away from me. And yeah. so we're more okay with something that isn't, you know, tank controls and isn't as yes. like, oh, you, you used up too much ammo, now you're fucked, like Code Veronica. Code Veronica has a moment, which will someday be on the show, unfortunately, <laughs> maybe. I mean, I run, out of, run out of Resident yeah. Evil's. Some bad moments in that game. I had the first few Resident Evil games when they came out on the GameCube, and they gave the first Resident Evil the serious remake mm-hmm. that is on GameCube. Hey, that awesome came out in 2002. Show. Beautiful. <laughs> it's just beautiful. There's also an episode all about that on this show. Check that and out. And it's all get out, especially when I'm dealing with the spiders. <laughs> <laughs> Resident yeah. Evil Zero used the same as as Resident e- the Resident Evil remake when they ported two, three, and Veronica to the to the GameCube. They didn't update it. They just kept the original stuff, which is why I think two the remake of two and three that came out in the recent years did so well. All right, I have a couple more to read. From Braden Schrod, such a cool atmosphere. Love the magic aspect of the game with power circles and runes. Just remember, your color is your difficulty. Uh huh. And from does not tell you that. Nope. And from Darren Paul, if you're a fan of Edgar Allan Poe or H.P. Lovecraft, this is the perfect game. The gimmicks are intentional. The story is great. It's got the perfect creep me atmosphere, and very few games back then allowed you to select what limb to damage. It's way better than playing it on a CRT, or way better playing it on a CRT, which I will never find out. I'm just going to read a couple more. <laughs> real real quick, that is something yes. we didn't mention, that the game actually opens with an Edgar Allan Poe quote from, I think it's from oh, yeah, Lyman, it does. right? So uh, Alan Wake had Stephen King, and this one's got Poe. And this, I have to read this just because this guy is a, it takes after my own heart. From Mike Lane, I host a podcast about GameCube. GameCube was cool. And we talked about this gem a couple weeks back. Sandy controls are definitely something that are really cool and unique. It's something that really only could have been in place back when controllers would actually constantly disconnect. You know what, sir? I appreciate the hustle because I do it too. So I had to give you a shout out. I don't know who you are. I've not listened to your show, but you know what? You deserved it. Well, you right. gotta, you gotta change the controller port so Psychomantis can't read your mind. Yeah, that's coming. <laughs> uh, from Sam James, it's a dope game, but one of the bosses midway through the game is hard. <laughs> you are one hundred percent right, sir. Maybe you want to quit this game, but I couldn't. I could not. It was so satisfying to defeat that guardian, wasn't it? Nope, nope, <laughs> not at all. I spent an hour 
try and do that fight when it literally would have t- should have taken me seven minutes. I just didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> that that's not good gameplay. That's just stupidity. Now beating a boss in Dark Souls while you're learning their pattern and you just have to execute right now that's satisfying. Fighting a boss that you just don't know the stupid trick. I didn't run all through all three zombies. That's just stupid. Not satisfying. All right, let's run from Jim. Last one we're going to read, and then we're going to go to Shelfer Box from Jim Stiegler. This needs to be ported to Switch, or even a HD remake. I played it my freshman year of college in 2004 my roommate's GameCube. He wasn't into horror games, but purchased it anyway. He couldn't play it for more than a few minutes before getting scared, so I played and he watched. I beat it for him and loved every second. This will never be ported to, to Switch. <laughs> Should be. Hell, this game hasn't even been re-released once since it came out back in 2002, and there is no way to get it other than buy a GameCube copy, which I'm pretty sure at the time of this recording is not that cheap. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sure people would love to have a direct port from a 2002 game for $60 on the Switch. Oh, hey, you know what would be cheaper than $80 right now? Somebody's selling for $80 on uh, eBay, so. $90 used, apparently, on uh, eBay. So there's a sealed one on eBay for 250. Jeez. I'm glad I still have mine. I actually don't know if I have, I might have a copy of the game. I have no idea. I do have a funny story. I forgot to mention, but you just reminded me. So I'll mention it right before we go to shelter box. When, when my son was my, when my girlfriend at the time was pregnant with my son. I remember going to a game store and I wanted to, I didn't have this for my collection. I wanted to buy it. And I remember at the time, I was being real careful with money because I was because she was she was pregnant and I was sending and I would send her money to help her out because she didn't live with me and she wasn't working. And I remember calling her and be like, "Hmm, if I'm going to buy it, spend you know however much the game was at the time, I should check with her first. This is 2006, and she never responded to my text or answer my phone, so I didn't. I don't think I bought this game because I couldn't check with her first, even though I shouldn't have because I was the one making the money. But <laughs> I always remember that's always stood out with me about this game, and I don't know if I ever bought it or not. I have no idea. Bummer. I mean, I'm not going to buy it for 80 bucks. I can tell you that much. I, <laughs> ain't that good to me. I, if they re-released it, I'd pick it up for 10 bucks or, you know, $20. Not 10 bucks. 60. This is Nintendo, dude. <laughs> I, did, I, I know they released it. I just won't pick it up for 60 bucks. They can release it all they want. I don't I pick up anything for 60 A lot of fans would love to see it get a remake done or an HD. We won't. We won't get anything because Nintendo published it. And Silicon Knight doesn't exist, so it's not it's not happening. It's, it's worth mentioning that uh, Nintendo keeps re-upping the trademark on the sanity effects, though, even if they yeah, don't yeah. do anything with them. It's probably not that expensive, too. Yeah, well, that's fair. Well, it was such a game-changing mechanic. I mean, other games now, if they want to do something like that, they have to invent their own system. Well, what, yeah. I, I, what I do have to say is, as the famous words of Snestrunk, the one YouTuber I watch quite a lot when I can, <laughs> play it any way you can. Yep. That's all I'm going to say. And Okay, I think we should go to Shelfer Box. And Richard, since you're our guest, why don't you go first? Is there any uh, doubt where I would put this? <laughs> in the as, box. As, as I told you in the beginning, I've, I, I've written a story basically adapting the game into prose and finding very unique ways to combine the three timelines and deal with the, quote, sanity effects in the story. So, <laughs> and... Is it any question? It's on the shelf. It's on. It's under the spotlight. It's under the must play sign. <laughs> At least three times in your lifetime, once a year. That's a, <laughs> I mean, that's a big endorsement. <laughs> well, I mean, it's something that was never on my radar until my brother-in-law introduced it to me. In some ways, I probably would have never gotten into this game if I hadn't met my late wife. So it. And it means so much, and it has such an impact. So yeah, it's going to be on the shelf. It's going to always be on the shelf for me. All right, 
And how about you, Mike? Uh, yeah, it's going to go on the shelf for me, too. Like like you said, it's nice to have a horror-type game that's not quite doesn't quite lean so far into horror. There's no jump scares except for the bathtub. Big takeaways are the magic system, like I mentioned earlier, just being able to play with the runes and create your own spells is awesome. Like, I love the combat of being able to target arms and basically gimp your the zombies, take off the heads and the arm, they can't do shit. Yeah, that's, uh, man, it's it's good. Except for that boss fight, it's it's real good. Go play it. I'm going to be a little tossed here. I've been debating <laughs> what I should do. Like, when I first started this game, I'm like, this is an easy shelf. I'm having a good time. It's freaky, but it's good. Then I got to that boss fight. I'm like, what the fuck? And I don't know if I can recommend it after that. And I was thinking, but overall, I think I'm just going to go with shelf also because I did have fun with the game. That one boss fight did fucking break me and make me not want to play it at all and want to just quit. But that's just because I was doing it wrong. Once Mike told me what to do and I watched a YouTube video, I was fine. It's just, I, I like I said before, I like games to handhold me. I want them to pat me on the head. I want them to tell me what to do. I don't want to just have to like, you know, oh, I figured out. Ooh, look at me. I wasted two hours of my time I don't have. Like. But that's more of a that's more of a personal problem between running a podcast and working a lot. You know, coming to think of it right now, as we're discussing it in shelf and box, you find the magical attack spell just before you fight fight yeah. that. Yeah. And they give you something to replenish your magic as well. Yeah, if it's still you get it. Fuck. I'm not going to defend it. I'm just going to tell you that right now. There, you yeah, should it's... just be able to use your ammo like in a normal game. They shouldn't make you have to use the stupid spell, and he shouldn't have very small moments when he's available to be hurt. It, it's ridiculous. It is 2002, so yeah, I understand. Say, they, they had to throw that 2002 in there somewhere. But it's the worst part of a really good game. And it's going on the <laughs> shelf, because I'm going to be recommending it to people. I will be telling people to play it any way they can. Except I'll yep. say more details outside the podcast. But I will be telling people <laughs> where to go. So... That about wraps up shelf for box. Uh, Mike, actually, what the hell, Mike? This Mike, I'll introduce what we're talking about next week. It's my pick. Uh, we're playing, we're getting closer. We're playing Legacy of Kane, Blood Omen 2, or Blood Omen 2, Legacy of Kane. I don't remember how the hell it goes. <laughs> I think it's Blood Omen 2, Legacy of Kane. That series doesn't know how to name itself. Yes, you're right. Blood Omen 2, Legacy of Kane. Hey, what year did that come out? Maybe those people were quick to name the Xbox series when they come out. Uh, yeah, that, that's fair. That came out in 2002. Awesome. <laughs> Because fuck us. That's why. So yes, we are going to be playing the fourth game, the Legacy Kane series. We're almost done. Yeah, we're yeah. getting there, guys. We're going to next year, next season, next year. Well, not next season. Next year, we're going to finish the Legacy Kane series for you guys. So it's coming. It's coming. It's exciting. It's exciting to be done with it. But I'm surprised it came this far. <laughs> and the funny thing is, I didn't pick the first one. Yeah, I had I picked Soul Reaver. I picked Soul Reaver 2. I picked Blood Omen 2. And I picked the Defiance. Partly because Soul Reaver and Blowman 1 did really good for us, and Julian was on it, and I wanted to bring Mr. No Pants back, so <laughs> that played a lot of part. All right, I think we should go to plugs then. I think that's all we need to say. And Richard, since you are a guest, why don't you go first with your plug? Well, as, as I know, you got you know I have a YouTube channel that has been lately steadily growing in some subscribers, and it's more of a fun thing for me to do. So, But that's my YouTube channel, and I'll, again, the link should be in the show notes as yep, well as I sent it to Mike. <laughs> I also have been writing stories for a long time, and as I said, Eternal Darkness was one of my better projects that got a lot of love when I was working on it, so I'll have the stories there for you as well. I do recommend reading it. I mean, I've been I've gotten a good praise using some of the things that they discussed using in the game as part of the story aspects and handling the uh, the... No, some of the things I mentioned here in play. 
for story-wise, and I had a lot of people give me, I've had some likes and all that. I even had people choose what happens in one chapter, which that worked well. Oh, great. But I guess I have a lot more stories up there, and you can find them through uh, check, clicking on my name when you check out the uh, Eternal Darkness story. If you if you enjoyed the game, you will enjoy the story. All right, and I want to give a shout-out to our awesome intro and outro, courtesy of Bubby, a.k.a. Mike Stoney from his EP, Bite the Bullet, a song of the cool kids. Why? And we just interviewed him not too long ago, so definitely check out that episode. And if you enjoyed this episode, we have tons of others for you to listen to. We got video games, we got movies, we got comics, we got lots of stuff. I don't know what else. We have other horror stuff. I don't have anything <laughs> else to really compare with this one. It's not part of a series, exactly. But if you like 2002, check out Bounty Hunter. That's like 2002. <laughs> and Ratchet and Clank in 2002. It's fucking 2002. Man, so we're knee-deep knee in Spooktober, so... Yes, we are. We're three episodes in now at this point, as you're listening to this. So we're getting there. So definitely check out all our Spooktober stuff. And if you enjoyed the show, tell someone. Tell a friend. Tell an enemy. Let somebody know what you enjoy games my mom found. It's a great way to support the show is letting more people listen so I can do more of the show eventually. All right, and I think that about wraps up everything that I need to say. Oh, yeah, please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, where I'm constantly posting new images of what's happening with the show and when the new episodes come up. So definitely follow us on that. And I think that's everything I need to say. <laughs> we will see you guys all next week. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.